Hello and welcome to Hiccup, the podcast series that explores all things parenting and mum life. I'm Jen, aka Irish Mama Buys, and each week I'll be joined by a special mum guest. We'll have a chat, we'll answer some of your listener questions, and just have some fun. So sit back, relax, if possible, grab a cup of tea, and enjoy the show. This week's episode is sponsored by Intune Parenting. What exactly is Intune Parenting? Well, let me tell you, I recently joined the Reset Group and oh, I am so glad that I did. It's a monthly online hub for busy parents of kids from zero to six that want to learn about the Intune Parenting Method. The group is designed for parents who feel that they're triggered by their children's behavior and it prevents them from parenting in the way they want to. The group runs every month in a private and supportive community where Helen will give you personalized tips. By joining, you'll access recorded hypnotherapy sessions and group discussion. And already, I feel the benefits from joining this group, speaking to other parents that are going through the same things with their little ones. It just makes you feel like it's not just you and everybody goes through this. So if you're feeling the same way as me, I definitely recommend checking out www.intuneparenting.com. And you'll also find Intune Parenting on Facebook and on Instagram. In today's episode, I talked to Kathy from weaning.ie. Kathy has such a wealth of knowledge and she shares some of her wisdom with me. We talk about her masterclasses and what she offers through her website. We chat about how mealtime isn't just about what your child eats and how important that time is as a family. Kathy speaks about how the language we use when talking about eating can have a real impact on our kids and Kathy shares some great mumspiration that we can all relate to as our children grow up. A great episode not to be missed. Okay, hello, a big welcome to Kathy from weaning.ie to the show today. How are you, Kathy? Great. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Delighted to be here. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I'm sure there's so many mums out there that will just be so delighted to hear you. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> course. <laughs> um, I got the chance this morning to attend your masterclass online and it's just been so useful, I'm sure, to everybody that attended. just You've just got so much knowledge. Yeah, it's funny. It, yeah, I, well, I've been work, working at Temple Street for 15 years and then my own three kids. And I suppose I've always had an interest in this. And yeah, it's I suppose when you're only here in the mainstream stuff. So parents, you know, um, I suppose you're only hearing what people want you to hear. But I suppose my experience is the other side. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to share. You know, it's. Um, it's very hard to be heard, I suppose, against some of the mainstream things. But yeah. I think it's important. You know, I'm unbiased. I'm not selling anything other than my experience. And yeah. I think uh, eyes need to be opened a little bit that not everybody is, you know, as parents, we want the very best for our child. And we assume that everybody else is as honorable in their intentions for our kids. But, you know, there is so many products that are developed for our kids that aren't necessarily in the best interest. Um, and that's not to be creating perfect eaters or, mm-hmm. you know, it's about real life, real family life, what's sustainable in the long term. You know, uh, our kitchen table is probably our greatest parenting asset. And if we lose the opportunity to connect with our kids during meals, when, when are we going to do it? You know, I have a, a nine and 10 year old now, as well as a three year old, but the nine and 10 year old, you know, they have their sports, they have their playstations, they have their friends. If we didn't sit down and eat together, I don't know when we actually would find out what was going on in the day or what was happening in school or because both parents work in most families of both parents work in. We're all kind of in survival mode and, you know, uh, getting the 
washing done, getting the dinner on, getting the after school into work, job done, this call, that call. Yeah. If we protect the meal times and get the most of our connection at the meal times, it's not just about what reaches their belly. You know, it's, it's there's a bigger picture. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm sure for so many families, that's the one opportunity of the day where you actually get to sit down and talk to your kids about what's going on in their day and yeah. how they are. Yeah, teenagers oh. as well. Like you know, your your time with your kids gets less and less, yeah. and it's, it's surprising with a nine and ten year old that you know they it's like they don't particularly want to play with you. You know, yeah. they're doing other things and say we go for walks and whatever. Yes, but. Um, and that's because I'm working from home now and things. But if I was uh, not working from home, you know, like exactly. thinking, thinking about the time that you have and making best use of it. Exactly. Like um, I think you said something at the end of the masterclass today. It was like the only thing you can control is the relationship with your child. And that's so, so true. Like, yeah. so, especially as they get older as well, if you've kind of got that you know, that time set out that you're always going to be together and get some time. It's so important. Yeah, it's not judging a meal as successful by the amount that has reached their belly. You know, a good meal is, uh, regardless of what's on offer, kind of that you've got to sit down, you've got to have a chat that, um, you know, a takeaway can be a good meal. It's just not every day, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, focusing on the connection, some of the time, uh, not you know, most of the time, but not not feeling like a meal is a failure because somebody hasn't eaten anything or yeah. has only eaten pasta or, you know, does that make yeah. sense? Oh, of course. And I'm sure mm. that one can just relate to so many parents out there because I think pasta is just the, <laughs> it's always the favourite and it's the easiest, yeah. easiest for the parent to kind of throw yeah. together and you just know they're going to eat it. <laughs> and then so parents not to think of oh my god they're having pasta again it's okay pasta is their familiar food the food that settles them okay i'm going to give them pasta now what food can i put on the side to get them used to or a color or a you know that the, they interact with food doesn't mean that they have to eat it but if they're okay with it being there that's the first step you know, eating is a whole sensory experience you have to see the food touch the food taste the food smell the food like the last thing is to taste the food so work on all the other things and leave the child up to taste the food when they're comfortable to taste the food, taste the food. Because toddlers, you know, it's natural for them to get more selective as they get older. It's a safety mechanism on their part so that they don't wander off and eat things they're not supposed to eat. You know, a um, 10 month old will put everything into their mouth. A 15 month old is more wary of putting things mm. in their mouth. Uh, so that's it's a protective mechanism on their part. So we have to make them feel safe, secure relaxed yeah for a yeah. meal to, to, to try your food yeah I took that from your your um, master class as well kind of that they up to a certain point they're kind of protecting themselves from not eating something that they shouldn't and then you were saying about you had a video and it was showing um three different things with your daughter was it and it was like a a, 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 a uncooked spaghetti a cheerio and yeah yeah so um I got, say, Play-Doh stuck dry spaghetti into the Play-Doh and then she had to put the Cheerios on the spaghetti. But it was to show at around, uh, you know, 18 months too, they know the difference between edible and non-edible things. So she ate the Cheerios, but she didn't eat the dry pasta or didn't eat yes. the, the Play-Doh. So uh, that's a developmental stage to mm -hmm. us. We don't realise that it's something, but 
know, the fact that she knew she could eat Cheerios and not the pasta and Play-Doh is yeah. progress. Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah. It's There's so many little things that you never, mm. like, even notice happening or think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, very good. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. And there's so many other things, like, I started thinking about. I was even thinking about this the other day, like, how many products I've brought into the house that have had, like, a cartoon character on it or something. And I, it's just kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, and especially when you think of your toddler, you know, they usually have a favorite teddy and they only want that teddy or uh you know they get into cocoa melon they only want cocoa melon they get into pepper pig they only want pepper pig the you know they're they're creatures of habit but they're creatures of habit because they're familiar with it they feel secure with it and the, that's part of it so i suppose you want your kids if you put that apply that to food uh you know they're automatically going to want the pepper pig yogurts because peppa's on it and they know peppa and things like that so if we're feeding our kids it's convenience baby foods it's best to take them out of the packet so that they're just eating the food they're not eating the food because pepper pigs on it yeah. because then they'll only eat pepper pig or they'll go to the supermarket and go i want oh that's my yogurt or if they're in someone else's house they won't eat a yogurt they'll only eat a yogurt because pepper pigs on it whereas if you take it out of the packet they'll eat a yogurt you know yeah. I mean? or it's... buy or buy ones with no branding on it yeah, it's so, so true. It's bit, like I can, I've seen that one happen so many times in our house with the yogurt for sure. Like yeah. if I have the, just the big kind of container that I would have yogurt from, and then if I don't have any kids yogurts in, they think like there's something wrong with my yogurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when you think about, you know, as much research is going to go into the packaging of foods as is mm. to get the next Christmas toy, you know. So yes, it's it's not by accident the way things are designed. They're designed mm. to appeal to kids because there's been so much research into what appeals to kids. Whereas as a parent, you just want the simplest, easiest, uh, you know, open the fridge. Okay, they'll eat that. So if that's what you want, that's what you have to provide. Yes, you were saying like it's the, the biggest industry is related to kids the baby yeah so the baby food and beverage market is the fastest growing food and beverage market in the world so yeah so you know i suppose you're not very profitable if you're confident in what you feed your kids if your kids eat what you eat if uh you know so it's an industry i'm not anti-industry it's just to take yeah, a perspective just, you know uh so the more confident you can be in feeding your kids, you know, they, you can walk through the supermarket with confidence and go, okay, well, I'm going to buy that. I'm not going to buy that. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that, but I'll know I'll use that a couple of times yes. when I need it, but not an everyday thing or whatever, rather than blindly just throwing it all in. Exactly. There's a, I think there's a lot of psychology that goes into this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, And you said as well, you made a good point that, um, let me just get it up here. I've got it all written down from the class here so I can look over it again. Very good. <laughs> um, you said they join you at the table, not you join them at the high chair. What do you mean yes. by that? So like traditionally, before there was baby recipe books or anything like that, you know, before feeding kids became complicated, you know, it was a natural progression to feed your kids what you eat. But then when the recipe books started coming out, all of a sudden, that wasn't good enough or wasn't sophisticated enough or whatever. And shopping trolley completely changed once for a baby starting solids. Uh, 
you know, I'd say traditionally, if we're just talking about Ireland, but, you know, a sweet potato didn't feature on any menu for anyone up until probably 1990 when yeah. Annabelle's books came out first. And then all, and sweet potatoes don't even grow in Ireland. So, you know, or a very few do anyway. And all of a sudden we're feeding our kids food that had to travel from halfway around the world to get here to teach them. And then and then it's not creating the kid that eats what we eat. Yeah. So my advice always before you start solids is to make a list of all the foods that you eat on a regular basis and then, you know, learn about nutrition, which is I cover in the class um, and go, OK, well, what from what I eat is suitable for the kid. Or the baby and then the baby is joining you at the table to to eat with you sometimes we have to meet them halfway and we might need to tweak what we eat a little bit yeah. but both of us most of us are in houses where both parents are working and uh, you know and if we start our kids on a completely different menu to us then when we go back to work have more kids working late and work and our, our we've trained our baby to want a completely different diet than we eat you know then we're joining them at the high chair or they're leading the way rather than bringing them to eat with us you know what I mean does that make sense oh it, it makes a hundred percent sense like I think so many moms will be listening to this thinking like that they give their child sweet potato as their first food and they don't really eat sweet potato at all themselves yeah, <laughs> yeah or yeah exactly or spending two weeks getting them to eat asparagus but they never eat asparagus you know it's no yeah. no point so um so be when you're buying books, you know, or people always ask me the best recipes. And my answer is always, you know, well, decide what recipe you like. And then how do you tweak that recipe to suit your baby? And then your baby will like the food that you eat. So, uh, you know, yeah. that's that's the way to go. It's so true. I think like whenever well, when you have your first kid anyway, you're just kind of thinking, OK, I need to try them like everything. You need to try them with like all the different exotic and you know types of food but it's or it's feeling the pressure to do it right and do it well and do it but you know uh we know that they will probably go through a fussy phase it's a developmental phase their growth changes so their appetite changes so it's not that you failed it's they're at a where they're supposed to be developmentally but because they're not eating we feel we failed and then we go okay well what do I need to buy now? Oh, I better buy that. But delete that. Oh, they delete that. Okay, I'll keep buying that. And you know, you're in a vicious circle. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I think all of us can say that we own one of these kind of, you know, baby cookbooks. <laughs> that yeah. we, we maybe cooked about five recipes out of it, and then just kind of put it in the corner forever and ever. Yeah. And some people will say that they have a recipe in it then that they've kept, and that's their family bolognese, or that's you know, and that's fair. Yeah. Enough. Um. But, you know, it, weaning, starting solids is the foundations of eating and decide, you know, the foundations of the house is not the bit of the house that you see. It's the background or the so it's it's getting the foundations right. And then if we build on that all the time, you know, that'll get us where we want to be. But if we start up here, then there's only one way. Yes. Um, just made me think there now. Um, I know a lot of mums, whenever the baby's just gonna start to go on solids, you see like a lot of mums are like tempted to start them a bit earlier and stuff like this. What's your thoughts on the the starting age? So the starting age. So if you sign up to my newsletter, I have um a handout all on that um that you'll get automatically if you sign up to the newsletter. Uh, so that's on the website. But um 
so there's no no one answer to this question you know I have three kids they all started solids at different times not all babies are born at 40 weeks not all babies get teeth at the same time Mm -hmm. not all babies walk at the same time they're not ready for potty training at the same time so your every child is an individual doesn't matter what your sister did your mother did whatever babies are never ready for solids before 17 weeks because we know if we start them with solids before then their kidneys are underdeveloped and it can lead to problems it can you know affect their digestive system babies starting with solids too early are more prone to having problems with diarrhea and things like that so never ever 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 before 17 weeks mm-hmm. and then uh so between say 17 weeks and six months is when we start solids, when our baby is developmentally ready. So showing the signs of readiness. So the signs of readiness would be, uh, you know, sitting up a bit. So it's not that they can sit up perfectly, but they can at least sit up for a couple of seconds. They have yeah. good neck control that, you know, because if they don't have the neck control, that in itself is a choking hazard. Mm-hmm. That they're starting to put things into their mouth. The tongue thrust reflex is, you know, we're born, we, we push things out of our mouth with our tongue. So that has to have faded a bit before they start solids. Um, so as a WHO say six months, but that's taken in the whole wide world and the most vulnerable kids in the world. Because if they start, if they're started on solids before six months, you know, it could be contaminated water supply and things like that. Yeah. And that could be detrimental to them. So our babies in the Western world, you know, with good sanitation and everything, it's around six months when they're showing the signs of readiness. And the earlier you start, the slower you go as in with taste, textures, that kind of thing. The later you start, the more swiftly you can move through taste, textures. And if you want to do baby led weaning, your baby has to be six months because before that, they're not developmentally ready to be able to cope with solid pieces of food. Sure. Yeah. So if they're going to kind of pick it up themselves and do their own thing, then it's six months. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, And you said something really good as well that was kind of like, something that I try and do that um you use one food as kind of the vehicle to get them to try something else so you might have like something that they enjoy eating and then something that you want to try that get them to try to eat at the same time yeah so you have a settling food or a grounding food kind of that you know they'll go oh it's okay that's there I can eat that and then just put something beside it that there's no pressure on them to eat it you've no expectations you're happy enough that they see it you know then they get used to it they might touch it they might smell it and then the more they get familiar with it the more they relax around it and then they might put it into their mouth but you know eating is far more complicated than just you yeah. know it's taking something you know if they're only used to milk for a long time it's it's a big deal eating yeah I think I remember having like the videos of the first eating or whatever and yeah it's just so funny like the little screwed up face and all the <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so your website, theweaning.ie, what do you have on your website then? What is it? Okay. So I'm a pediatric dietitian. I was in Temple Street for over 15 years and I took a break in June to be at home more and to, you know, concentrate on this a little bit. So uh, I do a weaning masterclass, toddler masterclass, uh, intuitive eating, raising intuitive eaters. And then we also do one-to-ones. So um, I feel the girls from Temple Street helping me out um, to do one-to-one consultations for anyone that would like it so it's all online um, you know the masterclass I do about once a month and it's live interactive so people you know I think the live format is good for parents you know uh, it's good to hear other people's questions and 
what, what, what did you find? You know, I think it helps you go, it's not just me. Or, yes. Oh God, thank God. Someone else thinks like that as well. Or I Definitely. was wondering that too. So, uh, you know, it's real life. It's not uh, perfection. Um, you know, it's easy to paint perfection, but you get the opportunity to ask what matters to you. Yeah. Um, and it's just a knowledge experience. So I'm registered pediatric dietitian. So uh, anything I say has to be based on science. It's based mm-hmm. on experience. Anybody can call themselves an expert. I could say I'm an expert in whatever I wanted to say because expert isn't a protected title. But to be a dietitian, you have to be registered, regulated, do continuous professional development, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All boring stuff. But, you know, um, I can't make it. Enough. Yeah, it's no, it's exactly um, the same as there's going to be another podcast episode released today and it's with a pharmacist and she has a website and we were just talking about how it's so good for parents to be able to go to a place that they know the information is actually all correct because there's so much yes. out that there's so much out there it can just yeah. be yeah brilliant brilliant um yeah so what is the speaking about toddlers what is the most common thing that you'll get parents coming to you asking is there something you'll get all the time well it should be the fussy eating um selective eaters that kind of thing uh eating very little but you know our, our growth changes between one and three so our appetite changes and um sometimes it's not the child that's the problem it's our expectations are the problem so if we learn about where our toddlers are supposed to be and developmentally where they are and then we can be beside them but if we always think that they're wrong and we're giving out to them the whole time and I always equate it to you know if you're as I said if you're teaching your kid to cycle a bike and they're disastrous at cycling the bike you'd never talk about it in front of them or you'd never say in front of them no matter what I do they won't cycle the bike they're terrible at the bike they won't Mm -hmm. they're just disaster but we always you know the biggest mistake parents would make is talking about a fussy selective eater in front of them like no matter what I do they won't eat the vegetables no matter what I do they they just don't eat carrots they don't eat (laughs) and you know kids believe what they hear so if they say well mommy says I don't eat carrots so so I mustn't eat carrots but then from their point of view if they're hearing you saying that the whole time and then at dinner time you're like come on eat a carrot eat a carrot they'll be like mixed messages here mom yeah exactly like the poor kids are confused so uh it's to think about our language our interaction or whereas instead of saying you know come on eat the carrot if you were to go is that a crunchy carrot or is that is that a green carrot or is it an orange you know working on their language and making the food sound interesting rather than that kind of thing i was gonna say constipation then would be another common problem that people Um. see cow's milk protein allergy there'd be loads of different Mm. things and it's it's best to come and ask the questions I get the answer and put it to bed rather than, you know, lying awake at night going, well, I wonder we're going to Google. Well, they said that and they said that and, you know, just get a real answer. Oh, that's it. Sure. The amount of times that we're just Googling stuff and getting nowhere with it, but just Mm. getting a real answer is definitely one of the best things you can probably do. Yeah, absolutely. And say getting the, you know, it takes a a good while for babies to like the taste of water. Hmm. So Generally, what people do is if they're takes a while for their baby to like water, they might buy 15 different cups to try and get them to, to try all the different cups. Whereas in actual fact, it just takes them a while to get the skill to drink from the first cup. So, you know, stop buying loads of different cups and just sit with them, teach them how to drink out of the cup, hold it up for them, have one yourself and 
get somewhere, you know, and free flowing because it just pours out of it. The fancy ones, you know, you need sophisticated jaw movements to try and get the water out of them. And our six months old babies don't have that. So simplest, basic, you know, you don't teach your kids to walk with crutches. So don't teach them to eat with loads of paraphernalia, just straight back to basics. Oh, you're so right. The many cups that we have been through is just ridiculous. It's and then just... environmentally, and then some of the cups are like 15 euros. So whereas the 151 is the best. Yeah, that's it. Now I'm just take I've taken the top off them and just given them to them to drink out of now. Yeah. I'm like, no, can't, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. Um yeah. And another thing, the last thing I was going to say, oh, it was you were kind of talking about the language that you're using with kids. And it's it really yeah. is so hard these days, though, because like they get mixed messages everywhere. Like you like one of my kids was poking at me and oh, mommy's fat belly. And then yeah. that, it's bad to say fat, isn't it, mommy? No, it's not bad to say fat. It's OK to say fat, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. So That's hard. not a bad word. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah, but it's uh, yeah, body neutrality, and like I suppose our toddlers, our kids, our babies, whatever. When they look at the mirror, they only see perfection, they only ever smile at themselves, so they only learn to criticize themselves if we teach them, you know. So yeah. if they see us looking in the mirror and we are, we're going, Jesus, I better lose this belly, or Jesus, the size of my backside, or <laughs> whatever, you know, then they'll start going, Oh, it must be bad to have a big bum, or it must be bad to, but yeah. we're all supposed to be different shapes and sizes, and you know you're not a good person because of your shape or you know so yeah exactly. getting back, back to that way happy in their own skin you know that's the oh, aim isn't it definitely and it's a freaking scary world out there now like for them growing up but hopefully yeah. we can kind of take on this kind of way of thinking and help them yeah. as they grow but it, and it's only when you start listen you know until it's pointed out you don't realize it kind of and then when you start listening to well, I'm trying to be good. You know, I'm not going to January yeah. now. I'm not going to. I'm not going to have cake. I'm trying to be good. So then, if our kids hear that, it's like, oh well, you mustn't be good. If you like cake, you mustn't be good. Mm. Whereas cake is just cake. Or if they see you weighing yourself and you're in bad form, if your weight goes up, then does that mean okay? Does it must be bad for them weight then? Or you know, if you're happier and your weight says they know you've lost weight, oh, it must be good to lose weight then. Or you know. Whereas that's got nothing to do with them as a person or. Yeah, you know. exactly. And it's kind of happened to us as we've grown up, but. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we can kind of change it now if we yeah. really start to think about it. Well, yeah. everything that I learned today has just been so, so good and so helpful. Thank there's, you very much. There's so many little bits that I'll definitely take, like, you know, about being more aware of what you're saying around them and kind of, uh, I know so many mums are kind of, worried about mess like at the start you're kind of like letting them eat everything and make a big mess but then as they get like two three you're like no cleaning up around them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm, I'm gonna try and let them be a little bit more messy at the table now now <laughs> I know and it's it's a it's a nuisance but it's it you know we don't when they're learning to color we don't try and keep them inside the lines or try and keep it perfect we let them go for it and they enjoy it and they'll do it again so we take the same approach with food. 
Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, before I let you go after your very long day of hard work. Um... <laughs> well, thanks very much. No problem. I enjoy it. It's like, it's gas. I don't get sick of talking about it at all. Like, uh, I love, I love talking about all this kind of stuff. It's so brilliant. Can I ask you before you go, who is your mumspiration? Do you have a mumspiration? Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this. So I don't have one particular person or I don't have anyone particular famous or something that I, that I'd be looking up to yeah. so much, you know, I'd be keeping my eye in. But I suppose what I get my most of the inspiration from is older mums uh, or mums of older kids that, um, you know, so my, I'm a 10, 11 year old now. So I might go for a walk with someone with kids in their 20s or something and say, when this happened, what did you do? Or, you know, I get perspective that way. Um, or, you know, older, yeah, people, mums of older kids or, and they would be my inspiration really yeah. to the lived through example rather than someone with a perfect house and perfect cushions and perfect you know, exactly. approach to talk to real people. Yeah. And no, is that, that a, is that, that a corny answer? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's there's been absolutely every type of answer on this podcast. Don't worry, yeah. but no, it's yeah. really good. Cause you're kind of seeing these people, they've got their older kids raised and you're thinking, well, you must have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've seen you've seen it all what did you do when they said this to you or when you know yeah yeah exactly so yeah because it's all new territory you know I suppose I've been through the the baby phase as well but um but then you know if teenagers are on their way to me so I'd be talking to people who have older teenagers to get oh. the heads up on different things and um that kind of thing I know yeah. Yeah, I know. It's all I, I think it helps as well to see, um, like, well, I suppose, different, you know, seeing perfect houses online and perfect kitchens and perfect sitting rooms and perfect gardens when, you know, my house certainly isn't like that. And, you know, when you're under pressure to try and get them to eat and then you're thinking, oh, my God, now the state of the place. And then to try and, you know, they're like, like you know, ironing clothes. Or it's, I think we have unrealistic expectations um less pressure on ourselves absolutely do, I don't, do you agree a hundred percent I like I don't even know where the iron is in my house to be honest yeah oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I won't stand up so you don't see uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show Kathy oh, thanks for having me I've enjoyed it you're very good oh thank you so uh, weaning.ie www.weaning.ie or on Instagram whatever if anyone would has any questions or anything amazing thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please follow us on instagram at hiccup pod for news and updates check out www.irishmamabice.ie slash hiccup and don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast streaming app